Hey everyone, it's DJ Louie, and I'm just dropping a snippet of our latest Pop Pantheon All Access episode, which is a deep dive into Robin's most recent album, Honey, with Who Weekly's Bobby Finger. Of course, we've talked about Robin on this podcast before in an early episode with Gia Tolentino, but in that episode, we really didn't have a chance to talk that much about Honey, and I had been aching to talk about it, get into this very odd, frustrating, sometimes rewarding, and beautiful record by one of my all-time favorite artists. So I'm dropping a snippet of this Patreon episode here. If you enjoy it and want to hear the rest of the episode, plus get at least three bonus episodes of the podcast per month, access to our Discord channel, and so many other perks, you can go to patreon.com slash poppantheon and sign up at the icon tier, or you can click the link in the show notes of this episode. So here's a preview of that conversation. All right, I'm here with Who Weekly's Bobby Finger. Bobby, welcome to the Patreon show. Oh, thanks for having me on the Patreon show. I love Patreon. It's weird <laughs> to say it that way. Lindsay and I call it Patreon, and I don't really remember why. But. Pa- sorry, the Patreon <laughs> show. Of course, I, I know that as a devout uh, Who Weekly Patreon. VIP member. <laughs> yes, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Patreon from day one. So yes, I'm sorry for mispronouncing it. I had it all wrong in my head. But seriously, thank you for being here to talk about literally one of my all-time favorite artists, like an artist that I know means a lot to you too, and to discuss an album of hers that... I kind of find to be like an equal measure, the apotheosis of like the Robin concept and also like a kind of frustrating album at the same mm-hmm. time. I don't know if that idea rings true to you. This is her latest album, Honey. It came out in 2018. It had come out after about an eight year gap between her seminal sort of series of albums, Body Talk, that was then packaged into one single album, which happened in about 2010, 2011. This is, of course, the album that contains the iconic singles, Dancing on My Own, Call Your Girlfriend, but also like about 15 other classic Robin songs that were in a very particular mold. These were kind of like absolutely cathartic, slamming, dance pop, songs about love and lost love and yearning for love and having your heart broken and everything that we know robin is the kind of queen of that particular mood the crying on the dance floor song is kind of like the robin specialty and these were the kind of like 15 songs i think people think of as like the defining versions of those songs Mm -hmm. and then you know this album is a very different kind of album this is an album that is restrained and sort of like doesn't give itself up to you particularly easy. I'm wondering how you felt about Honey when it came out. I know you had a lot of expectations going into it. I went back and reread a piece on Jezebel about you kind of tracking the release of the song Honey, which we'll circle back to. But how did you feel about Honey on impact? Like when you first heard it as a Robin fan who sort of thought of her songs in this particular way going into it? On impact. Well, it was funny that you brought up the Jezebel thing because it wasn't until you asked me to do this episode that it brought out a memory that I hadn't accessed in a long time, which was like, yeah, I wrote that Jezebel piece because from 2016 to 2018 all I could think about was Robin Honey like when is the song coming out (laughs) and it was such a thing that if I remember correctly the reason I wrote that Jezebel piece about like where is Honey what's happening with Honey is because I would constantly bring it up in our Jezebel Slack and then finally like Julianne Shepard was like you just have to blog this like you can't talk about this all the time and not blog it like you have to explain what the situation (laughs) is so it was this song that premiered at the end of an episode of Girls I believe the final season of Girls and it sounded finished it sounded ready to go and I think that's kind of one of the craziest things about Honey and sort of the most frustrating things about Honey is because to me a fan and I think to most people when you hear that song it sounds like body talk it sounds like they ripped it from there and it's ready to go it's a dance ready pop song that like is Robin as we know her
and I think the gag of this song when I heard it for the first time and the album in general is that it was unfinished. Like we sort of got a peek into her process. That was not a finished song. That's Mm -hmm. not what she wanted Mm -hmm. it to sound like. And so to not only have that song sound so different and the album itself sound completely unlike Body Talk, with the exception of maybe like two songs, and that might be a little generous, it threw me and I assume a lot of people for a loop to the point that maybe the most I've ever enjoyed this album is three days ago when I listened to it for the first time in a little bit because of this podcast. I was able to kind of listen to it free from that context and that frustration and just like recognize it as a good album, you know? But I was so hyped for it. Yeah, I completely share that exact experience because I, as I said, it was like when I discovered Robin anew, like second wave Robin, of course, I think, you know, we're, we're around the same age. So we were there for Robin 1.0, mm-hmm. Max Martin Robin 1.0. Mm-hmm. But when I discovered Robin anew, which was during her self-titled album after she had essentially bucked the major label system yeah. because they were attempting to control her work, she started this new label, Konichiwa Records. This was in the mid 2000s. And she released what I consider to be an equally incredible record in 2005, a self-titled album. This record contains with every heartbeat which was probably like the proto modern robin song in many ways it's kind of this driving thudding dance song that builds to this like absolutely like heartbreaking cathartic climax and be mine and then of course like kind of a more diverse sounding album. There's like hip hop experimentations. Actually, Charlie XCX recently sampled a song from that record, Cobra Style, on her Barbie soundtrack song. <laughs> so that, that record's maybe getting another look, but yeah. it's an incredible album that kind of presented Robin as the sort of like vanguard pop artist who was not that popular, like kind of like the proto niche legend, if you will. Right. And then I think Body Talk really built on that formula. And there was this very specific thing that I was used to getting from Robin songs, which is like sheer catharsis. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. the main thing that I can think of when I think of a Robin song. I was used to songs that just absolutely like delivered the payoff, like delivered this very potent emotional payoff Mm -hmm. that felt satisfying, that let themselves be like the totality of everything that they had promised you in terms of just being also straight ahead pop songs. I mean, the mystery of the Robin sort of career trajectory is like, it's not as if her music is deeply challenging aesthetically (laughs) in many ways. Like these are pretty perfectly constructed, just the kind of like the best version of what a dance pop song can be in my mind. Like, of course they're complex emotionally and her her ability to deliver multi-layer dynamic emotion on record is kind of unmatched in the space, but it's not like she's Bjork. You know what I mean? It's not like these songs are difficult to understand or even like MIA or you know whomever like there, there's a world in which these songs got on the radio and it wouldn't have sounded insane yeah. you know to hear her call your girlfriend or dancing on my own on the radio whatever and then the other thing that I think was really interesting into sort of setting up the honey thing is that Robin and the Body Talk songs kind of like found their footing over the eight years between Body Talk and Honey coming out. Like when Body Talk came out, it still felt kind of niche. Like it still felt like an in the know kind of thing. I mean, I remember this from my DJ life. Like Dancing on My Own is more popular now in 2023 with more people like outside of the gay community, for instance, now than it was in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. Like it has only become more popular. And I think there's a lot of people that might be surprised to hear this song did not chart in America. Call Your Girlfriend did not chart 
chart in America, like you now play those songs and you would think they were number one hits. Mm -hmm. Like everybody loves those songs be even beyond just the music intelligentsia and gay people. It's interesting. So then, yeah, so I had a similar experience to you, which was like, this is a very different type of Robin album and an album that I think like kind of refuses to deliver that gratification. Yeah. Like that was what I was thinking as I was listening to it this time. It's like a lot of these songs, and I agree with you, the two songs are the, the first and the last yep. song, Missing You and Ever Again, or <laughs> yeah. maybe the, the only two songs exactly. on there that actually like give themselves up fully. But like the rest of these songs like are kind of happy to sort of meander and sort of like tease you a little bit with the maybe the promise of some sort of all out gratification, but don't really give them to you. And I think when I first heard the record, that frustrated me. And I'm with you that like this time I was able to appreciate it too, because this record is a very moving album that mm -hmm. deals with loss. She had broken up with her boyfriend. She had lost a close collaborator. So it was true that it was nice to hear it free from the expectations. I wonder like having heard it now over the last you know couple of days as you were revisiting it, like what did you like about it more that you were unable to see sort of in the haze of the expectations you went into it with? I was able to just sit with it really. Yeah. I always liked it. I remember this moment when because I got married not long after this album came out. So like at our wedding, like we saw Star is Born opening night and then we like went mm -hmm. upstate to where we got married. And so Shallow had just come right. out and Honey had just come out officially. And we played those two songs. So like I remember playing that on the dance floor our DJ played it hmm. and like everyone knew all the words already. Not that there are that many words in Honey, right? But like everyone was excited right. to dance to it. So it was like, this is how I thought the whole album would feel. Like that sort of like excited sort of momentous occasion. And when I realized that the album is really much like, I was trying to think of a pithy way to describe the difference between Body Talk and Honey. And it's sort of like Body Talk was a moment and Honey is a vibe. Like it, like mm -hmm. Honey is just a vibe. Mm -hmm. And I was able to really mm -hmm. vibe with it this time and especially stuff like sent to Robin immediately which I always kind of yeah. respected but like there was this moment at like the reception of our wedding or at our Airbnb afterwards we were with our friends and we played the entire album in full or I played it for my friends and everyone was sort of kind of like losing interest very early on and that made me bummed mm -hmm. out for her I was like yeah this isn't fun to listen to is it and so that disappointed me but listening to it now I was like it's so cool mm. it's so surprising it's filled with all of these like in the doc you sent me to like prep for the episode it was like what is this what does every track sound like what are the influences? And I'd never really considered that before. And it's like, you listen to this and it's like, it's this tapestry of 80s and 90s techno pop ambient house mm -hmm. stuff to an extent that I never really thought about or respected or appreciated. And so I, I don't know, like you you just see it as this collection of influences and this refusal of her to abandon her grief and do what the mm. labels want. And I think that's another thing about Robin mm. that has been so easy to latch onto as a fan because, and I'm definitely oversimplifying this for sure, like those second two Robin albums that are like totally random, but whatever they're called, like I was never listening to those. Show Me Love, yes, the original Robin album, but the other two, like what are those before self-titled? No. <laughs> They're like, like lost. They're like, they're not canon. Right, right, exactly. And they're so, they're so R&B. They're so like, they're almost like, what if this white girly could do Brandy? Like, they're so weird. Mm -hmm. But like, mm -hmm. the way I've always interpreted her story was that she was basically like this young child, right? Or like young person who has been being manipulated by the music industry and labels. And like, mm -hmm. that story mm -hmm. is like pervasive and really common in the industry. And so when you see her assert herself with the self-titled and like have this new sound... 
that's so exciting. And so her, it's hard not to just like be in her corner forever because you always have that context of like that memory of like, well, she was one of those musicians and there's all those musicians who were treated like garbage when they were kids and then molded by these like really predatory execs. And again, I'm totally oversimplifying it, but the oversimplification is kind of the point. it's true. It's what makes it so dramatic and so easy to respect and understand and gives you this entry point into being a fan or a stan, I guess, where you're like, no, I support Mm -hmm, her. mm -hmm. She's been through so much. Mm -hmm. That was the context with which I came in here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's how a lot of people feel about her and why a lot of people love and adore Robin and also really respect Robin and why Robin, as I said, is kind of the blueprint for these niche legend artists. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, the, her career and her desire to say like, you know what? I don't give a fuck about having the support of a major label and I'm going to find a way to be a pop star that sort of exists outside of these confines and do what I want mm-hmm. is one of the most, I think, like pivotal moments in the 21st century in terms of pop history. I mean, so many artists, I mean, there is no Charlie XCX as we know her today without that model. Totally. There's no, there's so many of these stars that have followed in that blueprint and it was so bold. I mean, at that time when she did that, it was not charted water. I mean, it was very uncommon for an artist to be kind of proudly making pure pop music and sort of also existing as this alternative artist who was like critically respected and who was kind of a cult star. That was like not really like a, an area that was well trod at that time. I mean, yeah. of course you've had people like Bjork, you've had Kate Bush. I mean, there have been some people that have like dallied in this a little bit, but she was creating it in a new way, like for the internet era where it was like, she could be an indie artist that was making pure pop dance music. Like that was something that was really not common. And now is something that's like an entire generation right. of stars from Charlie to Carly to Tuve Lu to, I mean, there, you could really go on and on. There's, there's, there's like, Sophie there's without Kim Robin, Watson, you know, like Sophie, none of it. I mean, well, there, I want to come back to Sophie because I thought about her <laughs> yeah. listening to, to Honey, but I'm also really interested in your point about Send to Robin immediately jumping out at you this time in a way that it hadn't before because this album is constructed very interestingly. First of all, it's laid out in the order that it was recorded, which I had totally forgot about, Mm. which gives it a really interesting context because she was experiencing a lot of grief and she had all this loss. And I think that was creating a lot of writer's block and she didn't quite know how to like address that on record. So the first half of the album is incredibly like emotionally dense and like kind of dealing with a lot of loss. There's a song, obviously Missing You is the most obvious connection to the Robin of yore. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like a head fake that starts the album. It sounds like it could be, you know, adjacent to Call Your Girlfriend yeah. on Body Talk. There's this empty space you left behind Now you're not here with me I keep thinking through a waste of time But the picture's incomplete Cause I'm missing you and it's produced in that similar way by her longtime collaborator, Klaus Allen, who, of course, is the producer of most of her songs, but also as uh, Bobby and I will that was just a preview. If you enjoyed that snippet and want to hear the rest of the episode, go to patreon.com slash poppantheon or click the link in the show notes of this episode and sign up at the icon tier to hear the rest of that episode. At least three bonus episodes of the podcast per month, access to our Discord, and so many more perks.